when, when you squash down that inner child, you pretty much, it's like you're the adult and you're looking at your inner child and you're saying, you go sit in the corner, you are, I don't need to hear you peep, I don't need to, you know, you stop validating your inner child and that's where your inner child has a temper tantrum. And this isn't very cute when it comes out as an adult because this is where we start seeing these behavioral patterns and reactions uh, outbursts and all these different things because our inner child is not being heard and this is where we like with our nine to five and just this life that society says to live we get bored and complacent and stagnant and we're, mm -hmm. we have all these mental health problems suffering from feeling depressed and anxious because let's all be warned that I am in a mood today like a good mood not like a mood. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, before we get started, I'd like to set the scene for you. I have approximately 17 liquids <laughs> around me at this moment. It's a little bit overwhelming. I get overwhelmed when there's messiness. Like, I don't thrive in messy environments. Um, I do thrive in stressful environments. Like, if there's stress like to get something done perfect that's my jam um I do not thrive in messy like if there's stuff everywhere I can't I can't work um and so the fact that I have like 19 drinks in front of me is kind of funny so let me tell you what I have I have a bubbly which is um Pepsi's version of LaCroix. I actually prefer it to LaCroix. It has a deeper flavor profile. If you want my expert opinion on <laughs> sparkling waters. Um, yeah, it's really good. I've had the lime the mango and the grapefruit. I can't, I don't know what it is. It just like has a deeper flavor than LaCroix. Like LaCroix is like a little spritz of flavor. Um, Again, I, so I don't drink soda and I don't drink alcohol. So, like, I got to mix it up. I got to have some fun, you know. Um, I have a leftover coffee cup because I'm an absolute child and can't have a lot of caffeine. It's just how I work. I have my tumbler that I, like, live with. It's other. If There's always, like, two things in my hand. My phone and my water tumbler. So, it's, like, a really big... Oh, you can hear the straw in it. My plastic reuse, or not plastic, it's glass. Is it glass? It's a reusable straw. That's all that matters, okay? It's been in my cup for like two weeks now. I want to say this is like 30 ounces. For those of you who don't do ounces, it's 0.89 liters, I believe. It's a big cup. It's a big cup. And I drink like a lot of those. I fill it up every day. Then I have a decaf mango tea that is this huge cup that I got from a restaurant I was at this weekend. Um, and I've been drinking it for the last four days because it was such a big cup. And yeah, I just couldn't drink all of it. So I like sip. I do that a lot. Like I'll buy a drink from somewhere like and then I just sip on it throughout the week instead of drinking it all at once. I don't know if anyone else does that. And then I have like a random bottle of water that my leasing office gave me when I went in there because um, I have a lot of packages delivered. I'm honestly surprised that 
they haven't complained about the amount of packages that I get. I don't know if anyone else, like, it's just very annoying to me. And this is definitely a very first world problem. I am aware of this. So whenever I order something from anywhere, it like it's like a playing scavenger hunt playing scavenger hunt playing a scavenger hunt to find out where it was delivered was is it in my mailbox is it at my front door is it at the leasing center it happens with every single like ups usps fedex like anything anytime like none of them are consistent so i never know where my freaking packages are and the leasing center doesn't like send out notifications like you have a package so i kind of have to like play a guessing game anyway I'm being loquacious. Um, that's my new favorite word. If you haven't t- noticed, I've said this like quite a bit in a couple of podcasts. It's the word loquacious. It means to talk at great lengths, which is what I do. So let me tell you about today's guest. Her name is Taylor Reiner. She is a soul and love transformational coach. And she is one of the OG podcast guests, you guys. Like, I think she, I'm going to link the episode below um, so you guys can go and check it out. But I want to say she was like one of the first five people I ever interviewed for the podcast. So it was really cool to just like circle back with her almost a year later and hear her story, what she's been up to. Um, It was a really amazing podcast experience. So what she does is she marries both deep energetic work as well as quantum inner child healing. So I actually did an inner child healing with Taylor prior to recording this episode. And all I'm going to say is that you guys should definitely go check out Taylor's Instagram and talk to her about inner child healing and the work that she's doing because it is incredible. I feel energetically lighter. I feel like I understand why I respond the way I do in certain situations after doing the work with Taylor. And it only took about, I was I want to say it was under an hour um, in total, but then obviously like Taylor and I chatted for like a little bit before and after. So our call was like longer, but definitely go and check her out. I think this episode is absolutely amazing. She really helps her clients shift out of these long standing wounds or traumas, which helps them to really elevate their lives in a noticeable and impactful way. So this episode is filled with good little tidbits of tips and tricks. What is a tidbits? <laughs> tips and tricks. Um, we talk about what a core wound actually is, how inner child healing works to bring some type of stability into people's lives and how inner child wounds actually affect how we perceive and move through the world and also in our relationships. So I'm going to stop talking now. Go listen to the first episode Taylor and I did. Also listen to this episode. Just so much, so much good stuff in this and so much healing. And I think that is healing old past wounds, traumas is really the is is paving the pathway for success because you cannot move forward in life until you understand why you respond the way that you respond and also heal these wounds that just kind of keep reopening and resurfacing and finally getting some closure and healing um, into your life is so important. So again, all of Taylor's links will be in the episode description along with the link for the first episode we ever did together. Reach out to her. She is amazing. Super easy to talk to. 
I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I will see you on or I'll see you. I'll talk to you on Friday um, with a new episode. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you. Taylor and I, so Taylor was one of the first guests that I had on the podcast. I don't even think I had like a microphone. Like I literally think I was recording with my gym headphones. Um, <laughs> so like an OG guest, like I'm super excited to like, even just within a year, like it hasn't even been a year. I think my year is in August. Um, it's the anniversary of the podcast. So like the progression is super cool. And since then you've kind of shifted. I mean, we both have kind of shifted in our business into doing different things, things that we're more aligned with. So that's kind of why I wanted to have you like back on the podcast to talk about those things. Cause I think it's really interesting and, and just different from, from what you were doing when we first had you on. Yes. Um, more expansive after doing a lot of inner work you can't help but expand your business expands your life expands your relationships expand and your business becomes a reflection of your own inner work Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I think like I've always said this and I think a lot of people say the same thing not that I'm like a visionary of any sorts but like I feel like the healthier I get the more healing that I do Mm -hmm. um the more aligned I am with like myself, the better my business gets. Yeah. It's almost like you integrate, um, deeper lessons. You really step into your own authenticity in a big way. And because of that, you almost, you crystallize your truth and it makes it easier to articulate what you are experiencing, what you have experienced. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think you just get clear, really, really clear. Mm -hmm. And that clarity and that vision, um, becomes super prominent of like, okay, this is really what I'm here to do. And this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. (laughs) So the last time we had you on, we were talking about twin flames and relationships and kind of what that was. I'm going to put a link to like the very first episode that Taylor and I did. Um, so that way, if you guys want to, you can listen to that before you listen to this one. Um, so tell everyone, let's start with tell everyone what a twin flame is. And then we'll talk about like how you, you transitioned away from that into the work that you're doing now. Okay. Twin flame is always a loaded question. Uh, (laughs) well, for someone who like has no idea, like give them a synopsis. Yeah. So a twin flame is very much so like, it's the same concept as a soulmate. You know, this is a soul connection that has, it transcends space and time. Um, You, if you believe in past lives, you have experienced past lives together. But the thing about a twin flame that's different than a soulmate, because soulmates can be family, friends, dogs, coworkers, you know, a a large amount of like uh, possibilities there. A twin flame is a romantic it has that romantic underlying connection and this person is a perfect mirror of you and it's always like a divine feminine and a divine masculine which we hold both energies within but this person they are a catalyst for your spiritual awakening they are a catalyst for your soul growth they will test you to the limit but all in all it's to help you come back into union with yourself with the divine and 
I believe imminently twin flames are meant to come into union and the physical as well into a divine union, but they do have a really big soul, like core soul mission. And that is to clear core wounds, especially, um, if you're into quantum stuff on an energetic level for the collective, um, that clearing of those core wounds is more than just the individual clearing. It also reverberates out into our collective consciousness. Okay, that's such a loaded, (laughs) (laughs) a loaded thing. Okay, so let's unpack that for a second. So you lost me at quantum. Like I was like, wait, what? I need to like back up and like, so explain to everyone like what that, what that means. So quantum is essentially connected to energy. Everything is energy. Uh, we are energy. Um, that's why manifestation and the law of the universe works is because of energy. So quantum, like there's quantum healings um, and quantum quantum bioenergy field, which is just our aura. So I feel like most people have heard aura. Mm-hmm. Um, so just quantum is, it's energy. It's that energetic level. It connects everyone. That's why like we'll have, I'm trying to think on a, a societal type level, the collective consciousness, we have specific belief patterns as a society, a lot of group think, and that starts at, at that quantum level that I, I would say, just look at quantum as energy, that energetic level that we share, if that makes sense. I always try to like walk, walk this like quantum stuff back down, like kind of anchor it down from the uh, higher conversation of it. Right. No, that makes more sense. So what are, like, how does someone know if they found their twin flame? Um, it differs from person to person. Um, I feel like it's not something you go and look for. It usually finds you. Uh, most true twin flames I've talked to, it's just kind of, it's popped, the words popped up in meditation. It's popped up randomly on the computer. They've been to a psychic or a Reiki healer who's told them they have a twin flame. And they're like, I don't know what that is. And they go and research it. And they're like, wow, I've met a person that I feel this instant, super duper soul connection with. I don't know what it is. I've never felt this depth of a like this connection quite like this with anyone else. So it it's almost like the instant like soul resonance with the term. Um, that's for me. I was on YouTube years ago and it popped up randomly on a video title and I googled it and I was like, oh my god, no, it's my life. <laughs> like, hey. I resonate. I resonate with this. How do I get out? Um, but here I am still, I mean, it's still integrated into the work I do. It's just not the core focus, you know? So, okay. First of all, the good old YouTube algorithm, just I, sometimes I'm like, it is not an algorithm. This is like something divine. That's like trying to send me a message. Um, (laughs) but what is, okay. So now that you are saying it's still part of the work that you do, um, but it's not the only scope of work. What Mm -hmm is it that you're doing now? What is that transition? So that transition went from primarily doing work with only twin flames to working with anyone who has a core wound, which is anyone, Uh, you know, it's a, on a collective scale, no matter what walk of life you come from, everyone carries core wounds from their childhood and even past lives. If you resonate with that. 
So I wanted to be able to expand out to still help Twin Flames because this is an experience that I am experiencing and I have a lot of uh, knowledge around through my own mishaps and missteps and everything else and my learning with that. But I do a lot of work with, um, I do quantum inner child healing, which is amazing. And it's so, it's so amazing how the inner child work helps to set you up for success in, you know, in your adulting world, even once you're an adult already, because we just react and respond from so many of these subconscious automatic kind of cues that are based off of the past experiences we've had relating to others before like the age of 10. So talk about that inner child healing, because I think we, we toss around, we hear that word because it's tossed around like the inner child. Um, and I don't know too much about it. I did a session with Taylor which is, was really, really interesting and really, really cool. Um, but again, I obviously like not everyone knows too much about that. So explain who, what the inner child is, when does it develop and how, and I, sorry, that's such a, like, like a loquacious <laughs> question. So let's start there. So what, the inner child, we all ha- house that inner child within us, even as adults. And that inner child is that inner um, aspect that it's our, for me, it's almost like your true soul essence. So, you know, when we think about how our soul truly is, our soul is truly playful, is imaginative, is super creative, and has like unwavering faith and belief. I mean, when I was a kid, and most kids, they believed in Santa Claus and stuff, like no one can tell us differently. There's such a belief, a belief in the unseen and in, in the divine and everything else. And this is something that as adults, we are ta- um, taught to kind of squash down because like having an imagination and all that kind of stuff is supposed to be like, that's being, you're being immature, you're being a child, like you know, grow up. So we kind of lose touch with that inner child, which means we lose touch with our intuition, which comes from our imagination. And that's where psychic abilities come from and everything. Uh, We lose in touch with that that creative side that that is connected to our divine path, I believe. So we kind of, we have to learn how to bridge the gap between our inner child and our adult, hashtag adulting life. I think that's so interesting because it's so true. Like, I feel like as you become an adult, and I think this was so, this was so, I'm like having a little bit of a like, whoa moment. Um, (laughs) It's so true. Like when I was working in, in corporate, like I definitely feel like that part of myself was pushed down. Like there was no room for creativity. There was no room for playing. Um, I mean, I would suggest that we still have nap time, like, like we did when yes. I was a kid. Um, I'm like, why did we stop nap time in kindergarten? <laughs> that Seriously. Been a long time. But um, like when I think of my childhood, I'm like, oh, nap time. I love nap time. Um, <laughs> but it, it does. Like, I think, I think it also boils down to like, what is our purpose? I mean, this is like a huge existential question. It's like, what's our purpose here? Like on earth? Is it to 
you know, um, go to a job from nine to five? Is it to buy a house, to go to college, to have kids? Like, I don't think that's what it is at all. I think it really is to play and to have fun. And what that play and fun looks like is different for everyone and how they express that creativity. Um, and I think for some people, it's like through, I think we have a very narrow perception of what creativity looks like. Like it's either you're a painter or you're an artist of some sort, whether that's like through music or um, acting or something like that. But I think creativity comes in a lot of different forms. And I think to suppress that is to not, is really pushing down that inner child and not letting it do the things that it needs to do in order to kind of complete whatever our soul contract is here while we're on earth. Yeah, I agree. Um, and with, when you squash down that inner child, you pretty much, it's like you're the adult and you're looking at your inner child and you're saying, you go sit in the corner. You are, I don't need to hear you peep. I don't need to, you know, you stop validating your inner child. And that's where your inner child has a temper tantrum. And this isn't very cute when it comes out as an adult because this is where we start seeing these behavioral patterns and reactions, uh, outbursts and all these different things because our inner child is not being heard. And this is where we, like with our nine to five and just this life that society says to live, we get bored and complacent and stagnant and we're, mm -hmm. we have all these mental health problems, suffering from feeling depressed and anxious because for me, anxiety I mean, there's different levels of it, but a lot of people who have a lot of anxious feelings is because anxious energy is that divine source, creative energy within us, and it's mm -hmm. not being expressed. So it's fizzing around like a bunch of wasps that have been like put in a jar and shaken up. They're, they're pissed. They're like zooming around and they have nowhere to go and it, mm -hmm. they're agitated and it comes through as this agitation. So learning how to even if you're doing a nine to five, find a way to channel that energy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying, you know, nine to five yeah. people who work nine to fives are oh, yeah. like horrible or that they should oh, quit. Yeah. I mean, I get it. We have responsibilities. People have mm -hmm. families, mortgages, student loans. Like I'm not suggesting that at all. Um, but I want to circle back. You said there was behaviors that come out and they're not cute. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah what behaviors, like what would someone, I mean, I've seen this in my own life where I see someone get upset and I'm like, you are literally a child right now. Um, child. And I've seen that happen, but I want to know, I mean, I'm not going to like t divulge that information, <laughs> um, but like, tell us what that looks like um, when that inner child does come out in those, in that type of behavior. Yeah, so uh, I just want to like take this back to the story that, that helped to build this understanding for me of like how the behaviors are connected to the inner child. So I worked with troubled youth for years and they used to revert back to their age of trauma. So they would be 14 and start acting like a two-year-old because when that trauma is triggered, you go back to that age. So when you say people are acting like it, they seem like they're acting like a child when they're having these behavioral reactions, it's because technically in their subconscious, there is a part of them that is uh, attached to a, like a story that's attached to an experience at a certain age. And it's almost like that button gets pushed and they literally are acting like their wounded child. And 
these behaviors, you know, it really depends on what kind of core wound. There's five core wounds, separation, rejection, abandonment, persecution, and I'm leaving one out. I think it's humiliation. Mm. So let's say a behavioral reaction to feeling rejected. So I'll use the classic example of, I don't know, boy meets girl or boy meets boy, girl meets girl, whatever. But like when people first start dating and there's that uncomfortability being vulnerable with someone and you're texting back and forth and suddenly you don't hear from the person for days. So automatically you're feeling rejected and it's like, they don't want to be with me. Like you start spinning through all of these like reactions to this core wound of rejection. And next thing you know, you're sending Someone could be sending like a drunk text at midnight with this long, arduous, loaded text message explaining how this person has made them feel and how they don't want to talk to them and giving them ultimatums when maybe this person was literally busy at work and they work like a really, like they work so many long hours and they've been exhausted and that's why they didn't text this person. But they've acted from their inner child and sent this long, loaded text message because they felt like they were being rejected like they probably were in their childhood. Yeah, I haven't, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I feel like it's so, I'm like, oh my God, this is like such a good example. So um, I have a friend and I, how do I like, I'm going to tread lightly. So basically I needed to set some boundaries with this friend. And I am like, I'm not, I think prior to obviously like development as like just a human being, like I wasn't good with boundaries. I didn't know how to have boundaries. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't know how to keep boundaries. I didn't know how to let go of certain boundaries. Like boundaries were just really difficult for me to, to, to have any kind of relationship with. But as I've gotten older, obviously I've like realized like you have to set boundaries with people. Like Mm -hmm. loving someone doesn't mean that like you don't have any boundaries with them. Um, so I have a really good friend who it was literally just, we kept missing each other as far as like, whenever he would call, I would like literally be in the middle of something or just not in the, not have the energy. And as you know, like owning your own business, like I give so much of myself every single day for hours and hours on end. And so by the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't have the physical or emotional energy sometimes to be there for the people that like, I want to be there with. Um, and so I was, he was just like a couple months went by of like just missing each other. And he kind of sent like some facetious text of like, Oh, like it's not always, you know, there's not always a fire every time I call you. And I was like, I never said that there was (laughs) like, I'm just literally busy. Um, and so he finally resorted to sending me a handwritten letter and (laughs) I was like okay like I'm already weird about giving people my address just in general um because it's my this this is my home I don't want to feel uncomfortable and so I had only give agreed to give him my address because it it was around Christmas time he wanted to send me a Christmas card and I was like okay whatever um I didn't think he was gonna like continue (laughs) to send me things um so he sent me a handwritten letter and I was like okay at this point like I'm uncomfortable and there needs to be a boundary set yeah and I sent him a text message and I was like listen I forgot exactly what I said. And maybe I could have been a little bit nicer about it. Like, I'm not trying to play like a saint in this situation. Um, I said, you know, I just don't have the 
mental or physical capability to like be the friend that I was a couple of months ago because I have a lot going on. Um, and I'm not going to lie, like you sending me that letter made me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, is the extent, I think I worded it differently. Again, this happened a couple weeks ago. And when I say <laughs> the inner child of this person came out, it came out with a vengeance. Like it was, he, I mean, he ended up calling me a coward. He was like, this is really fucked up. Like I did nothing wrong. And he was like, I'm just trying to be a good friend. I mean, and I told him, I was like, you're making this about yourself. This isn't about you. This is about me setting a boundary. And I was like, you're, and I, this is where I messed up. I said, you're being really immature about this. And then that just like, I think that triggered him. And then that's when it all just spiraled out of control of mm -hmm. him, like sending me compulsory texts of like, you're a coward. Like, you know, next time you want to set boundaries with someone, like, don't be such a jerk. <laughs> like, Just, it went on. And I was just, I just let him have it. I was like, you know, there's nothing at this point that I can do. I just let him have his little temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. But it made me realize like, oh my gosh, like if you don't heal these things about yourself, like they're going to come up in your friendships and mm -hmm. in the relationships you have with people. And you're going to look like a total child because you don't know how to, to not be reactive to like what you were saying, like the rejection, the humiliation. I forgot the other four that you said or the three that you said. So yes, I know exactly <laughs> what I meant by like, I was like, I know exactly how this inner child comes out. Yeah. And it's really crazy when that happens. It's almost like, yes, they're in the present moment and the, like the situation, but they are literally activating a part. We activate a part of our subconscious brain that is stuck on a timeline in the past when we were two or three or four years old. And what we're playing out is what happened in that moment, but we're playing it out now. Mm -hmm. So this this is where it becomes really, um, it creates a, quite a discord with our friendships and relationships and at work and with clients and everything, because we aren't even present to the moment when we are reacting from our inner child. We are in the past. Yeah. Yeah. That was very clear. Cause he, the, the certain things that he said, I was like, this isn't at all what I communicated at all like it was like he felt as if I was rejecting him and I was like I'm not rejecting you I'm just trying to set a boundary and say please don't send letters to my house mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. and he was taking it as a full-on rejection mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I totally I see that um in that situation for sure yeah it's very um this work with the inner child is very, when you do it on yourself too, you start really seeing people's inner, their inner child, which is not a bad thing. Uh, you're able to discern, is this the adult that I know, or is this the little one that's inside this adult that I know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very, it's very uh, self-actualizing as well as it helps you actualize other people and what's actually going on. <laughs> yeah. And you talked a little bit because what you said in that a couple minutes ago was like, there were so many things that I wanted to unpack. And you said also, you talked about the wasps and like putting them in a jar and like how that was anxiety. And I feel like that, it, that 
illustrates what anxiety feels like mm-hmm. so much to people. Um, again, not everyone has the same level of anxiety, right. um, but I think a lot of it is not, for me, I should, I should speak from personal experience, so I'm not generalizing. Um, that's what anxiety was, is I felt like trapped. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, especially when I was working in my nine to five, because I didn't have that autonomy, I didn't have that creative outlet um, or that ability to do the things that I wanted to do and, and, and I think create a life of my own. Like definitely that inner child was struggling for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always like to sit on um, preface with any mental health stuff. There are people who do have chemical imbalances. They're not normal balances of the chemical chemicals are in like a normal healthy brain. So that's why I say there's different degrees of things. I don't want to like minimize someone else's experience essentially. Um, But yeah, this, that mindset around anxious energy has actually helped me channel what's actually go, that perspective shift has helped me channel things differently, which is really helpful because I'm like, oh, my inner child just I think my inner child is literally just running around the inner house and wants to play. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think too, like that's kind of what I, and I've come to this realization in the last couple of months that like, usually when I'm having anxiety, it's like something, my body or my mind is trying to signal to me like, Hey, you know what? You've been working really hard and you haven't given yourself like a chance to chill or you haven't like talked or hung out with your friends. Like, why don't you mm-hmm. like it kind of I'm using it more as like a guide of like, mm-hmm. oh, I haven't been sleeping that great. I really need to like be a little bit more conscious of like, okay, I need to go to bed at a decent hour. Or, like mm-hmm. I need to eat better or do like certain things. I kind of try to use it like that. Um, but a lot of the times it is because like, I don't get to play. Like I'm too much in that like serious mode of like, I got to get this done. I got to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, sometimes like you need to give yourself whatever play means to you. Like that's what you should do. <laughs> yeah. And I like what you're saying about using it. Um, that anxious feeling as a guide. I mean, I feel like that falls in alignment with your inner child. You know, when you're having these inner child reactions uh, or any shadow aspects, I, I say, use it, don't guilt, don't guilt it, don't shame it, don't abuse it. Use it to your advantage because it's going to tell you, okay, why am I feeling this rejection feeling? What is this attached to? Why am I feeling this abandonment? Why am I feeling whatever? Why am I having mm-hmm. these thoughts? And I mean, this is something that, I utilize in the work that I do in the sessions where we are able to use the feelings, the body sensations, the thoughts, everything that comes up during that trigger to really locate where it's coming from, show them, Hey, this is, this is just where, you know, where you felt like you lost your power. You weren't heard as a kid. And this isn't a definition of who you are. Now we can create closure here and you can get your power back, be heard and move forward in your life. Because I mean, with inner child, it, as I said, it's up until usually the age of 10, but before the age of seven, our ego has not yet formed. So we are sponges and we're absorbing all the beliefs that we are being told, like the opinions and how love is being expressed around us. 
these are all becoming our, our stories, our beliefs, our definitions of all sorts of things. And then by the age of seven till 10 or seven and up, but especially seven to 10, that's where we develop our ego. And that's where we're like, this is my story. I, this is where we create our I am statements pretty much. You're making me nervous to have kids because... <laughs> Because then I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna fuck my kids up. And I like, there's like any trauma between between like the time they're born to like age ten. I'm gonna be like, you know what? Let's just stick you in a bubble. Like, no interaction. Like, that, and that would also cause trauma. Right? <laughs> That's true. Like social, like they'd be like socially inept. Um. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm like thinking. No, but I. I mean, I think too. Like after a certain age, like you're you're not, you can't control what's happened to you, but you can control how you heal and what Mm -hmm. you take from that situation. And I feel like that is such a perfect, like you're, that's such a perfect thing to say. Like you kind of have to take responsibility for the way that you move through the world after a certain age. Like you can't just be like, well, in third grade, my mom wouldn't buy me that Power Ranger set. And now I'm like traumatized. Like no one gives a shit. Like (laughs) it's true. Yeah. Um, When, I mean, I remember in college, I even a little, like my teenage years, I wanted to wear my daddy issues, like a badge of honor it's not my fault because my dad left me. It's not my fault because my dad left the family and I can act any way I want. And that is not true. Like Mm -hmm. when you're 30 and you're like still using that example, it's time to maybe, you know, that sounds like we're all really, really good storytellers. And it's like, I I hear the story you're telling, but do you like the story you're telling? Because I sure didn't like the stories I was telling myself. And I was like, you know what, how about I scrap this and write a whole new book? based off of who I feel like I truly am. Right. Well, and I think the important thing that you brought up too is like you were saying, like when you do have a reaction, I think, I would say, okay, I don't want to say like people are better than other people, but I think people who are, uh, my friend, Dr. Tristan Sophia says this, like are on a different level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Some people will say, oh, I'm mad at this person because, you know, they did X, Y, and Z. And granted, sometimes that's a situation, but I would say like 98% of the time, the question you should be asking yourself is why you Mm -hmm. feel the way that you feel. Yeah. Because obviously like the the whole thing with when two people are arguing, it's just two people triggering each other back and forth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like That's all that it is. It's just like, you're triggering their inner child, they're triggering your inner child, and it's just going back and forth, back and forth. And you're never going to come to a solution because little kids don't know how to argue. (laughs) Right. Right. It's true. Um, And when you have both your inner childs coming at one another like that, it's like a little fight on the playground and then everyone is you know, surrounding you, watching you, you all play out your, your inner child wounds. Um, and it's learning how to, what we're doing with the inner child healing is learning how to reparent your inner child, the way that is in alignment with your truth, what's in alignment with your soul, which is working from that space of unconditional love and compassion and, you know, all those, all those pretty spiritual words. (laughs) Right. So how can someone what are some like tips and tricks on how someone can reparent their inner child? Um, I think a great place to start is 
to read up on core wounds. Learning about core wounds, learning about your own core wounds is going to give you a, you know, that, that is where you start creating that higher state of conscious self-awareness. Like, okay, what am I experiencing? It's kind of like the symptoms of your behaviors and habits for the past X amount of years. So really starting to self-actualize there. Um, obviously working with a professional or uh, practitioner of inner child healing is always a great thing, but if you're doing it on your own, there's a lot of great resources out there for this. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's plenty of videos on YouTube and plenty of books out there, but when you're reparenting your inner child, it's really stopping and saying, what do I need right now? It just now in this moment, not in the future, not five years down the, what do I need right now to feel safe and secure? Because the only, the main reason we are actually reacting so heavily from that inner child is because when we were a child, there was a point in time we did not feel safe and secure. It's very root chakra. So it's asking those root chakra questions. What do I need to feel safe? What do I need to feel secure just right now? What can I do for myself right now with my resources? And also I like to do this activity where I ask myself when I'm freaking out, I'm like, okay, am I safe right now? Am I secure? Do I have my needs met in this moment, my basic needs? And really bringing that self-awareness back to the present, like where I'm at. I'm not being chased. I mean, unless you're being like chased and like a murderer is coming after you, like Freddy <laughs> Krueger, like then you're not safe and secure and you're totally, I validate your fear. But other than that, like, I don't know, let's say that, you get cut off in traffic and it like it's ruining your day because it feels like one small thing after another. And it's like, okay, you're probably reacting from a space where you feel out of control of the situation, some inner child core wounds being hit. So it's like, okay, I'm agitated. I feel, and I'm feel disempowered, but do I, am I safe right now? Am I secure? And I think those general check-ins because Essentially working with your inner child is listening to your inner child, acknowledging, hey, you don't feel safe right now. Why is that? What can I do to shift that for you? And creating that shift and just, it becomes, you know, a practice. It's a, it's like a muscle. You've got to work it out over and over again. We're, you know, there's going to be times when you fly off the handle and then you're like, oh crap. But, you know, it's, it's self-forgiveness as well. But. So how did you get into into this like explain ever- to everyone oh man uh it was it kind of felt synchronistic um <laughs> i followed this one wonderful healer on youtube and facebook her name is freedom franklin she actually designed the quantum inner child healing certification course and she i heard her mentioning it i've heard her mention all these how it really helps to reprogram your belief templates, like your belief systems to help you step into your power and step into a sense of wholeness where you can pretty much be at a a nice, stable internal level, even if the world around you feels like chaos because you finally become the parent for your inner child. But I saw where she posted that she was hosting this course and I signed up. It was 11, 11 PM when I signed up and yeah, it was just, it was just all very synchronistic how it all came along. But once I started getting into the course, I was like, this is my purpose. Like, because we were in the class, we were hosting sessions and we were having sessions hosted on us. After three months, I had, it was a 90 day complete life shift. And I was like, 
oh my God, I just need to just get the word out. I just want to talk about this constantly because it's such a simple process that creates huge shifts, which I, I like undercomplicated things. <laughs> <laughs> so you had like a, an accountability partner, right? Or someone that you kind of... Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, we had, there was, uh, I think eight of us in the class and every couple of weeks we would have a new accountability partner. So this is the person we would practice with. And I mean, you're, it's during the process, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, I like to look at it as a modern day form of soul retrieval because you are going back to this point in time and you're retrieving this loss aspect of yourself, this lost soul fragment. And that's, you know, that's why we feel disempowered and scattered because it's almost like pieces of us are scattered in the past and we have to go around and collect all the puzzle pieces to put everything back together. So with the accountability partners, we were unpacking all this stuff and really it's, the work is just, it's amazing. <laughs> okay. So how are you working with people now as far as like, are you doing um, kind of like the same thing? Well, tell everyone the session that you that we did together. Like, what was that called, and what did it do? Yeah, so I have uh, several different services, but we did um, a partial element of the Activate Healing Sessions, which is just I do some other work with Activate Healing Sessions, but you can also book that where you're doing the Quantum Inner Child Healing, which is what I received my certification in. And yeah, that's that 15-step process. In less than an hour, we're able to go on this journey back in time to this moment where you're able to see how your triggers now have been connected to a time in your childhood that I had stuff come up for me that I don't even remember, like stuff, very subconscious stuff that my, just my higher self just popped up to the surface. And when you start seeing the connection between how you've been reacting to things up until this point, and you go back to this moment, you're able to see that you're, you can actually take control of the moment. You can, you know, in the session, we're hosting that ex that council meeting, that experience between your inner child and whomever he or she felt their power was being taken from. And this is a point in time when your inner child finally gets to say their piece. They finally get to speak their truth and, you know, feel validated, feel heard. And that creates a, um, a level of completeness in the situation. Like there's no reason to stay in this point in time. And you can integrate that fragment of your soul, essentially. And, you know, once you're completed with the session, you should start feeling a lightness to your energy. And I mean, this is all in less than an hour. You are completely annihilating a core, rune at, a core wound at its root, which is just, it, it's amazing that the way to get to that, to create that wholeness, is nearly taking your power back from a moment where, you know, when you were three or four, you couldn't you couldn't be in your power. You were three or four. You didn't know how to be. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's not like you realize, Hey, it's not my fault that I was disempowered, but I get to shift that. I get that opportunity and I get, I get to merge and integrate with that part of myself that felt like, you know, I had to remember 
this old story attached to this trauma so I could stay safe through my life because that's, as I said, the inner child just wants to feel safe and secure. And based off of experiences we have, have had in the past, to eliminate that experience again, we learn all these reactions and tactics to put up our walls and stay defensive to protect ourselves. Absolutely. So what would you say to someone who like doesn't believe in the inner child? Like they're like, that's so woo woo. Like I think some people like don't, can't conceptualize that. Um, I mean, you walked me through the session like so well. So I was like, literally, I was telling her like during the session, I was like, I'm literally back in my childhood bedroom. Like it was so weird. Cause I was like, this is like I could smell, like smell, like the way that my house smelt, the way that my bedroom smelt. Like I don't know, the colors were super vivid, so it was kind of wow. crazy. But a lot of the times, like people don't believe in things that aren't tangible. Like they just can't comprehend that. Which I get that. Like there are certain things, like when we talk about like space stuff, I'm like I can't even imagine. Like I don't even know. So what would you say to someone who's like I don't need to do any inner child healing, or they just like don't believe in it? Well, I would probably ask them, has something happened? In, had, do you have a memory from your childhood that really like affected you? And it's like, oh yeah, my mom told me to shut up or, you know, spanked me or something. I'm like, okay, so how did that make you feel? Like almost bringing them back to that practical, making it tangible. They have that tangible, you know, memory connected mm -hmm. to that experience. So it's like, yeah, I have that memory. And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, how is your, how's it feeling in your body? Because more than likely you're going to start playing that out in this moment when you're talking about it, that trigger is going to reignite those feelings attached to that moment, that those body sensations. And it, that's because it's triggering something in your like neuro, your neurological, like neurotransmitters. Yeah. And that's what actually creates that, like, you know, it, that's, it's firing off. So you're going to have the body sensations. So it's like, okay, yeah, that looks like it's a, you know. And I think too, people need to understand like trauma is, okay, I never know if it's subjective or objective. I'm really, I don't remember. But like when someone says like a, a an early childhood trauma, it doesn't have to be something horrific, right? Mm -hmm. Like it could be something like along the lines of like, oh, my mom spanked me in the middle of a of the middle of Mervyn's if anyone remembers <laughs> Mervyn's and like that was super traumatic for me because I was so embarrassed or I didn't understand or I felt rejected or like whatever the emotion comes with it like it doesn't have to be like what you consider traumatic might be different than like what someone else might might consider traumatic like you get to yeah. decide what's traumatic to you yeah, because your perspective is like a fingerprint. It is your own. No one else has your perspective. So mm -hmm. even if you were in a big store and you couldn't find your mom or dad and you were little and you just, you felt that literally could have created a, uh, a wound of abandonment when no one was, you know, truly like leaving you out in the streets, you just kind of got lost from one another. But as like a little kid, you may not understand that. So you create this story of the ones I love me abandoned in me it's like even the smallest thing like that which seems really like significant yeah it can be the world to a child yeah 
Yeah. And I think that those types of things like come into play, like in your relationships, like whether Mm -hmm. they're platonic or romantic or like, it's just your boss or your coworker, like leaves you out of a project or something. And you're like, oh my God, why do I feel so hurt right now? (laughs) Yeah. It's the, once you start doing the work and you know, you open yourself up and take that leap into the world of inner child healing you realize like, wow, there's a huge connection between how I've been feeling like these uneasy, chaotic feelings now and how they're attached to when I was a child and something made me feel some kind of way essentially. Yeah. I think that's a really good, a really good point. And I think the other thing too, and definitely like speak on this, if you have thoughts on it, I think I kind of had to let go of this idea that like, I'm going to get to a point where I'm like a hundred percent healed and like, nothing's going to phase me. Like what does healing actually look like? Is it, is it never being reactive to anything? Is it being numb to everything? Like, I don't think so. I think like, see, I don't think heal healed is a destination. I think it's just an experience. I actually feel like we're all healed, even though the healing, uh, it's weird to say this as someone who does healing sessions, but um, with healing, I feel like we can get stuck on these healing loops where we almost get addicted to the healing. Like I'm waiting to reach a point of utopia and I'm not going to stop Mm -hmm. until I'm perfect. And it's, I think the healing comes through um, for me personally, you reach a point where I've done the work and I accept, I accept all parts of myself. I accept when sometimes I have sacred rage and I'm totally, I'm like, you know what? I'm mad. Actually this past week I was like, you know what? I'm going to pout and I'm in my story today and this is where I'm going to be. And my inner child doesn't feel safe and I'm accepting of it. Like that's for me being in that perfect healed space as you know, we like to look at it is not being perfect and being okay with that and owning it, like own your frustration. Mm-hmm. If you flip someone off in traffic, hell, own it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I was just, I kind of feel the same way. I always think that like healing doesn't mean that like when you think of a situation or, you know, like let's like the perfect example would be like if a guy broke up with you and you're like super sad about it and you just like happen to run into him and his new girlfriend at the grocery store and you're not wearing any makeup and you look like you're basically homeless not that that's a real situation that happened to me um but like that would be so triggering right you would be like oh my god like all of those emotions like come up and I think like it's okay like for me I've learned like it's okay that uh, you think back to a situation or you get into a situation and like all of these emotions maybe come up for you it's okay to like recognize the emotion but I think the healing comes in being able to handle the emotion, which like yeah. handling the emotion could also mean accepting the fact that you're having a reaction to whatever the situation is. That was like some like um, inception <laughs> crap right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I totally, I agree with you. Um, being healed is accepting your human essence and your human experience and your human reaction, but it's not getting stuck there, not getting stuck in like these story loops of like, I am not worthy and stuff. You know, it's okay. I'm a 
I'm a big fan of grieve, grieve relationships, fully grieve what you need to fully grieve. It's healthy. Um, and yeah, it's just, I guess that's what I want to like convey to clients. Like you don't have to get stuck on a loop of, Oh, oh I need to heal my inner child now. And and now like forever, like 20 years, like every week, you know, Wednesdays at seven o'clock, it's quantum inner child healing time. No, you should reach a point where you're able to unpack enough of those wounds and realize that it's like, I'm powerful enough to be upset. I'm powerful enough to move through whatever is coming up or coming towards me. And sometimes life sucks and it's okay. Like, I'm not going to let it crush me. Yeah. And I feel the same. I like that you brought that up too, about like the healing sessions. I think the same goes for therapy. Like when I tell Mm -hmm. people, yeah, I've gone to therapy since I was 18. They think like, oh my God, how messed up are you that you've almost been in therapy for 10 years? And I'm like, you don't go every single week. Like I've gone through periods of my life where like I need therapy. And I'm like, sometimes I go like two or three years, four years without seeing a therapist. And then there, there will be a a life transition or something happen where I'm like, you know what? I think I need to go back to therapy. Like I need to talk to someone. I mean, therapy, I think is, I'm a big advocate for it. I think it's so healing. Um, but I think that could be for anything like therapy, these inner child sessions, Reiki, like whatever else you believe in, like you doesn't mean that you have to, to be, to use the same method of healing every single week for the rest of your life, like mix it up. And there's going to be times where you feel really great and you don't feel like you need Mm -hmm. to be doing all of the work all of the time. Like, again, it goes back to like having the time to play and just let your, let yourself be a human. Yeah. There's power in the present moment. And I mean, I say it's like, take it on an as needed basis. Like, yeah, I don't need to get a massage every day. Do I want one every day? Kind of, but you know, it's like, I don't need one every day and you can do it on more of an as needed basis, uh, for your overall health and well being. but you get to decide when that time is. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I was really at the beginning, like right before my spiritual awakening, I started going to a therapist and I, I just sat there and wouldn't talk for like weeks because I did not want to be there. It felt uncomfortable, but it's like, having that sounding board, having that neutral party, having that person keeping you accountable and showing you a new perspective is powerful. Yeah. So funny with completely different experiences. I'm like, I, (laughs) I'm being so self-deprecating right now, but, um, I went into the last therapist I had, I like literally sat down. I'm not even kidding you in three seconds. I just start bawling my eyes out and I like made a joke because it's just like how I deal with with like pain is through humor mm-hmm. um it's my my defense mechanism <laughs> and I'd like to deflect so I was like oh my god like did I just set a record for like the the, pa- the a patient to cry like so quickly like am I the fastest one <laughs> like ever start crying in your chair and um he didn't think that that was funny at all. So <laughs> he started writing notes down. I'm like, oh my God, he's, he knows, he knows that I'm using humor. Um, but yeah, some people like do not like talk therapy at all. They're like, I just don't get anything out of it. And others, like it takes them a while to like warm up to it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I was 
reading a book today and it talked about like different core strategies for dealing with stress and mine's definitely isolator. I like to isolate. I like to run and hide, put myself in a bottle, close the bottle. I'll shake it up. I'll open up in six months. Uh, I mean, I'm better now, but that's definitely been my bottling up and not expressing. And I think that's just my inner child feeling like they couldn't express themselves. It wasn't safe to express oneself because in my family, it was like, if you express yourself, like my mom would be like, if my mom listens to this, I'm sorry, I love you. She'd be like, you're fine, get over it. So therefore my emotions, I would squash them down because I needed to get over it. And like, I wasn't allowed to feel the feelings. So creating safety around expressing feelings. Um, yeah. Well, I think too, like the other thing with therapy is like, you have to find a, a therapist that you like, that mm-hmm. makes you feel comfortable. Like, um, I prefer male therapists like older male therapists who are not attractive (laughs) if you know like I know that sounds mean but like I don't know like grandpa status like therapy like that's those are like the easiest people for me to open up to like if you put like a middle-aged woman in front of me I would be like I would not probably be as receptive to therapy as if you were to like stick literally like your grandpa joe or grandpa herb in front of me so yeah i think that that's like another thing i think that even applies to healing like a certain reiki people and people who've done like acupuncture and cupping on me i prefer men yeah isn't that weird (laughs) no and i mean it's 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 different for each person all i could actually picture when you were talking about this therapist was robin williams from goodwill hunting Uh, oh no 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 like not even that type like literally like they're on the brink of retirement like one of my therapists actually retired and it was like a joke my dad made he's like that's <laughs> that's again self-deprecating he was like like you like you you put your your therapist into retirement I'm like okay like, no <laughs> but um yeah I'm like talking like we're retiring giving the practice to like their nephew reti- like old like I don't um okay that was so tangential um so taylor tell everyone where they can find you on the internet yeah so i am uh virtually located in a few locations so my website is www.taylorreiner.com and that's where all the goods are the information how to book my a session with me a link to my podcast and blog just to find out or if you wanted to tap into some more of my insanity. I'm also on Instagram um, at Taylor Love Coach and I post very regularly there. And I'm also on Facebook, um, facebook.com backslash Taylor Reiner 222. So, and it's all pretty much the same information, just different platforms. platforms. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I could have talked about this forever and ever and ever. (laughs) Me too. One more thing. If you loved this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to my Instagram and tag me at livingbreely with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, see you, connect with you, and know which episodes and interviews you're finding valuable. For any courses, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode, you can head over to livingbreely.com or check out the show notes below.